I wonder what your dream in life is. Or maybe it was. Maybe you've actually achieved your dream in life. Maybe you, you've got to that place where you go, I've achieved that dream. That was my ambition. That was my hope. Maybe it was about some sort of achievement, climbing a mountain, sailing an ocean. Um, maybe it was around the acquisition of something. Maybe it was always that Ferrari or Lamborghini or Mini or whatever it may well have been. Or maybe it was about somewhere where you wanted to live, a place, a place in the world you wanted to visit or a place you wanted to live. Or maybe it was about a relationship, a, a spouse wanting to be married, children, a dream about your parents or your relationship with God. I, I wonder what your dream was. You know, the Bible's full of people who had dreams. You've got Joseph. I close my eyes. Pull back the curtains. Thank you. That one's half. Um, maybe it's something else. I wonder what you're dreaming of. God's given us a dream. He's given us a dream through a vision someone had. We call it a prophetic word. Actually, it was literally a dream. He woke having dreamt a dream of three fields. Three fields which were to be harvested. Three fields which had lain fallow for some time. There was a description of our church. And over the last four weeks, we've started to uh, work our way through talking about what, what is the prophetic for Sundays ago. What, how do we respond to the prophetic? And then started to look at the different aspects of this prophetic word, this dream that Guy had for us when he came and preached back in March this year. A field of the Spirit, of engaging with the Spirit, of knowing the Spirit of God on us. A field of root vegetables, unusual smells and shapes, but fundamentally a passion for the poor. And a field to do with the youth, the youth of our town. And harvesting amongst the youth and seeing uh, not just ones or twos, and we celebrate ones and twos, but tens and fifties and hundreds being affected of the youth of our town as well. And... uh, Dreams are powerful things. And the reason we've been giving so many weeks to talking about this particular word for us, and by the way, if you've not read this, perhaps you're new and you're looking in and you're thinking about joining this church and you you haven't got a clue what I'm referring to, there are copies available, I think, on the information table. If they're not, we will make sure you can get one. Um, Let us know if you haven't got one, we'll get it to you. Of this Word, which incidentally also we have weighed. Just because it came from Guy Miller, who leads our Commission Family Churches, doesn't mean it's infallible. We did go away and we weighed it, because you're meant to do that with all prophetic utterance. Okay, and so we went away and we weighed it and we considered as elders. We sensed, does this fit in with the uh, essence of what we were feeling in God, what we were sensing in God? Does it fit in with other prophetic words? Does it fit in with Scripture? What do our hearts say to it? And we came around and said, yeah, we believe this is God. As many of you did too. But you know, it's really easy to have a dream and never see it fulfilled. And this morning and this series we've been doing is about helping 
start to lay some foundations in our lives to get us caught up in this dream that actually we see it in God because ultimately it's God who brings these things about but we see it fulfilled. And I don't know about you and I love the fact somebody said amen but I go amen in my heart. Come on Lord. I want us to be a church who are known for welcoming the Spirit and engaging with the Spirit, where the activity of the Spirit is such that people get healed and set free, that captives know they can come here and they meet with God and are healed and set free, that others uh, just come to know God in a deeper, truer way. They understand what it is to be sons and daughters in Christ. Wow! That we see signs and wonders amongst us. Not signs and wonders amongst us just in this place or just when we meet on a Sunday, but that we are a church who see that happen throughout the week in our places of work. Ooh. Sorry, I'm going to go off, uh, off plan here. Um, just as I said that, You're looking very nervous at me, Martin, because I'm looking at you. Yeah. Um, Martin, I feel God would say, you will see signs and wonders in your school. You will see youth praying for one another in the corridors of your school. You will see people and hear of people being healed in your college, of addictions being broken in your school. And it will be of God, and it's to come. And I feel there's, some, there's a deposit God wants to put in you, an expectation of that. And uh, there's something going, going on, even in your spirit, probably at the moment, which is, but that's not allowed. You're not allowed to do things like that. And I feel God would just say to you that, this, that it happens will be a sign of the grace of God. And he wants to put a deposit of faith in you to look for, to expect, to pray for and to see those things happen in your school. You've got to go away and weigh that, please. So this series is about getting hold of this dream. seeing God at work in our town in our area yes about the lost getting saved about people coming to know Jesus because we know Jesus changes everything Jesus changes complete lives total lives well happens when people make Jesus total life change I hope that as we've been working through this series there's been a stirring of faith a stirring of expectation, a stirring of, oh, wow, really, is God going to do that amongst us? Perhaps even moving into affecting how we're praying and what we're looking for and how we live out our lives. And that would be great if that started to happen. I hope it is. And we're going to make sure that over the next season, we don't move away from this in a wrong sense, but we remind ourselves and we keep looking for this. And I want to encourage us, let's be a people who keep looking for the glory of God, for him to do what he said, whether we be reminding him in prayer, whether it be through acts of obedience, through what we do day in, day out, in our lives, in our work lives, in our homes, 
whether it be with the poor or how we welcome the Spirit in our own life, whether it be amongst youth and children. Let's be people who look to do that. Now, as part of this, we've been doing these things called field meetings. Some of you have been to perhaps uh, the first field meeting about the Spirit or last week's one. Uh, uh, about the poor. We had 30, 35 people at each of those. Uh, This Wednesday, we were scheduled to have a third field meeting. (laughs) I can't tell you whether it's happening yet or not. Um, With Nathan not being here this morning, he's going to meet with the youth team and discuss how we do the third field meeting and when, whether it happens this Wednesday or whether we move it because there's some other minor event going on which conflicts with it only involving about 30 million British people watching the box. Um, So, uh, one way or another, we will let you know by this evening where that meeting is moving to, because I have a feeling it will be moving. And uh, uh, so, uh, unfortunately, I couldn't tell you this morning, but uh, keep your ears open for that. We will tell you this evening as we gather uh, for our church meeting. We'll also put it out on social media, and Dave will put an email out, hopefully, on Tuesday, just to let you know what the revised plans are. Uh, for it. But today what we want to do is we want to try and bring things to a conclusion. We want to try and draw these threads together and think about actually, so how do we now live with this prophetic word? How do we work it out? How do we make sure we don't just ignore it and it gets parked in obscurity? How do we uh, live in the good of the prophetic? And You know, there's lots of different prophetic journeys people go on uh, in scriptures and we can see how people respond well and not so well to the prophetic. And I thought it would be good to turn to one of those accounts. And so if you've got your Bible with you, I'd like us to turn to the book of Numbers. Uh, Numbers is one of the early books of the Old Testament. If you don't know where it is, start at the beginning, you go through Genesis and then Exodus. You can find chapter 20. In the book of Numbers, we're going to read the first 13 verses. Now, just a bit of context to help you understand what's going on. The people of God, who are called Israel, have been held in slavery in Egypt by Pharaoh for many, many uh, generations. And one day, a man called Moses comes along, uh, anointed of God, and says it's time for freedom. And so the people of God, through a long uh, series of God's provision, are brought out of slavery under Pharaoh. But because of their disobedience, they don't enter what was to be called the promised land, Canaan, straight away. And they are going to have to walk through the deserts uh, for 40 years, for a whole generation, because of their disobedience. And this account we're reading is part of this desert time, this 40 years in the desert. So already we've, had, we've got a people here who have lived in the promise, the prophetic promise of God, and yet also have got it wrong. And got it wrong quite seriously to the, to the effect that, you know, <laughs> that generation basically are left to die in the desert before the people of God can go on. And yet within that, God is gracious and he's bountiful, and he still provides for the people in the most amazing ways. Their shoes don't wear out. He provides them with food. He provides them with water. And this is just a little bit of that journey. So 
Uh, Numbers chapter 20, verse 1. In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin and they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community. And the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the, uh, to the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together, speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You'll bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels. That great starting line, how to win people. Listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give, I give them. These were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and where he showed himself holy amongst them. And Father, we know you've called us to be your people too. And we want to walk before you with humility. We want to follow the lead of your spirit. And we want to see what you've said prophetically over us to come to pass in all its fullness. So I ask, Lord, would you come and help us as we consider this word over the next 15 minutes. Speak into our hearts. Change our minds where we think wrong. Draw us closer to you. That we would take steps which honor you. Which bring you glory and praise. And we'd see your kingdom come here in Alton. In greater and more powerful and more evident ways. Such that this town and this area would know that Jesus is Lord for the glory and honour of your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Three very simple points I want to draw out from this passage. First one's this. Things will get tough. Whoopee! Things will get tough. They will. If you think they're tough at the moment, they'll get tougher. Why? Because they do. Because stuff happens. Because things go wrong. The important thing, though, is when things go, get tough, how will we respond? How will we respond? Here, they grumbled. What's going on? Well, they grumbled because 
Probably what was going on was, can we trust God? Really? In our heart of hearts, that seems to be the issue. Can we trust God to provide for us? This is the God who visited plagues on Egypt and Pharaoh. This is the God who pushed waters back, who protected them from the armies of Pharaoh, that got them this far, that provided for them this much. They had seen phenomenal miracle after miracle after miracle take place in and through their community, and they are going, don't know if I can trust God. Wow. And you know what? We can all see miracles in our lives, but fundamentally there is a deep down question we have to resolve in our hearts and our minds. And it's, will I trust God despite my circumstances? Or will I be, will, will how I see God be defined by my circumstances? You see, it's easy to trust God when things are good. Very easy to express trust and, uh, in God when things are good and they're going well. But what happens when it gets bad? I mean, their problem was quite major. Depending on how you do the counting, it's probably two or three million people in a desert with their livestock without water. That's not the odd cup of water that's missing, is it? In fact, if you were to use what is recommended consumption in the UK, which is about 125 litres of water per day, and if you were to apply that to this crowd of people ignoring, ignoring the animals, then you're talking about three point, uh, sorry, 375 million litres of water required per day for this bunch of people, if it's three million of them. Now, of course, they have washing machines and dishwashers and a whole load of other, other things, but they did have their livestock with them. So, yeah, 375 million litres of water a day, that's not that much really, is it? Well, let's just put that into scale. The eighth largest reservoir in England is called Grafham Water. It's, where, uh, it's in Bedfordshire. It's where I grew up. It's big. It's miles long. Eighth largest reservoir. These guys would have drained Grafham Water in less than five months. The eighth largest reservoir in Britain, assuming no rainfall. So the scale of the problem is quite significant, isn't it? I mean, I think we've just got to get our heads around this. When we say they were thirsty, popping down to Asda and buying a few bottles of water wasn't going to fix the problem. In fact, the whole supply chain of Asda was not going to fix their problem. In fact, the whole supply chain of water in Britain wasn't going to fix their problem if you're talking about the bottle stuff you buy from the supermarket. This was massive. And they're thirsty. And they're so thirsty, they're starting to look back over their shoulder and go, if only we were still in Egypt. Hang on, in Egypt, they were slaves. In Egypt, they were under so much pressure to make bricks for Pharaoh uh, they, they, uh, and other, so much pressure, he even withdrew the straw. They were having to work ridiculous hours. They had horrendous taskmasters. And yet suddenly, well, the, the horrors of Egypt are being forgotten and they're talking about grapevines and pomegranates. If only we were back in Egypt. We need to be sure of who God is. 
Are you sure of who God is? Have you got a good view of God? Have you got a handle on who, the nature, the character of God? Do you give time to considering who your loving Heavenly Father is? Friends, can I encourage us to do that? That God is love. That he'll only ever act of love. He's revealed as love in 1 John 4 and so many different places in the Bible. God is love. He's not going to act outside of that. Are you sure? Are you sure God's love? Are you sure he's only going to act out of love in your life, in my life, in our lives? What about that God's holy? See, God is love is quite easy to think about in one sense because we can say, oh, God will never do anything nasty. But if he's holy, that means God's got to be able to bring judgment as well. And the judgment of God and the wrath of God are a terrifying thing. And the people have seen that. If you go back to the passage and read some chapters earlier. Let's be clear who God is. And let's have a big picture view of God. Let's understand the enormity of who almighty God is. He's the great I am. He's the one who's created and sustains all things. That means you and me and this whole world which exists, exists because of who he is. He is the great I am. But he's also holy. He's also pure. Spotless. Without sin. Can't have anything to do with sin. He is love. Let's be sure of who he is. See, if we're sure of who he is, then we can trust him when it gets tough. If we're not, the risk is that we make God into what we want him to be rather than who he is. And then when things get tough, we start to doubt because he doesn't do what we want him to do. Because see, if he's really God, if he's really sovereign, if he's really in control of everything, then we can't control him. We can't say, you've got to heal. We can't say, you've got to do anything because he is the great I am. But we can worship him. We can delight in him. In all circumstances. In every situation. And that's why worship is so important. See, worship is saying, God, I trust you. With all that I am, with all I've got, I trust you. You're the great one. You're the one who's in control. I celebrate you. I delight in you. I rejoice in you. Let's fix our eyes on him. Let's remind ourselves. Let's keep on reminding ourselves who he is. How do we do that? We do it through being in the word and seeing God for who he is in and through his word. We do it through singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. We do it by encouraging one another, by building one another up, by helping each other, by pointing back to God, remembering who he is, that he is gracious, that he is loving, that he's committed to us. See, otherwise, when things get tough, too easy to take our eyes off him. 
too easy to go, oh, well, the problem's bigger than God. <laughs> it's, it's 375 million litres of water out of a rock too difficult for God per day. No. In the middle of a desert? No. Now look at your problem. Is it really that difficult for God to do something? No. He may or he may not, depending on what's going on. Because, of course, we can't guarantee that God will act in a particular way because then we are God. But what we can know is he's loving, he's good, looks out for his people, he's holy, he's righteous, he's just, he's merciful. This is part of who God is. Let's celebrate him for who he is. Let's remind ourselves for who he is. Let's make sure the God we worship is the fullness of the God revealed in the Bible. We don't just worship one aspect. Too easy to say, well, God's love, therefore he'll do this. And we forget the holiness of God. Or God's good, therefore we forget his sovereignty. Now let's celebrate the fullness of who God is. Things will get tough. That's the first point. Be ready for it. Let's let's remind ourselves of who God is. The second one's this. When things get tough, watch out for who you listen to. Watch out for who you listen to. You ever been in one of those situations where everything's going swimmingly well and then somebody says something negative? about that situation. And very quickly, somebody else is picking up on it and accentuating it. And then a third, and a fourth, and a fifth, and a tenth, and a twentieth, and a thirtieth, and a fortieth, and a hundred, and a rabble. Well, that's really what's going on here, isn't it? Very, very quickly, we don't know what, who, who speaks up first or anything else. But they quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Wow. They wished themselves dead. Ungrateful or what? It's so easy to be influenced by others. So easy to be influenced by others. Particularly if we're not sure what's going on. Particularly if we're unsure of God. So easy to take our eyes off him. As soon as we take our eyes off him, we start looking around. We see other people's situations, other people's fears, other people's concerns. And as we do so, we lose it. We lose perspective. We come inward looking. So what do they do? What do Moses and Aaron do? They go and look to God. Verse 6. Moses and Aaron went, for the, went from the assembly, went from the gathering of people, and it sounded as though it was getting pretty ugly there, to the entrance to the tent of meeting. That's where God dwelt, and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Wow. Wow. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, in that situation, my temptation would have been trying to calm everybody down, trying to fix the problem. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that where you've suddenly got, oh, 
oh, hang on, people aren't too happy. What do they do? They go and meet with God. They go and meet with God. What a great example to us. What a fantastic example. What are they doing? They're just going to say, hey, God, how do you see this situation, please? We need your perspective. We don't want man's perspective. We need your perspective. Friends, when things get tough, let's go and inquire of God. When we're praying and we're thinking, oh, God, maybe we made some decisions. We want to do this with the youth and it doesn't work. Or we want to, do, we want to, want to uh, uh, embrace the Spirit in this way and nothing happens. Let's not grumble. Let's not get into a mob mentality. Too easy to do, far too easy to do. Let's go and inquire of God. Let's be people, when, when the tough get going, we go and inquire of God. I said, God, what's going on? What are you doing? What are you doing? Help us, Lord. We humble ourselves before Almighty God. We say, oh God, we can't do this. But this is about you and it's about your glory. This is about your purposes. So we come back to you and we say, God, meet us, help us. And that's what they do. These, guys, these godly men, these great men, these heroes of the faith, they go and inquire of God and he meets with them and gives them clear instructions. Wow. Isn't that fantastic? Well, it was. The only problem is they don't follow the instructions. I mean, how bizarre is this? You've got people baying for your blood, saying, why have you brought us out into this desert? 375 million litres of water required per day. They're thirsty. It's a bit of pressure. You go and inquire of God and he gives you some instructions and then they don't go and do it. And you may be going, no, no, Andrew, Andrew, you misread. The water comes out the rock. They do do it. Well, in God's grace, because he's good, because this is his people who he loves and cherishes, yes, the water does pour out of the rock. But look at it. Moses and Aaron get it wrong. They're told they've got it wrong. And, oh no. These two men, these two godly men who have pursued the things of God, who have seen the people of God come out of slavery into freedom, who are going to take them to the promised land, are told what? You're not going. You're going to die before the promised land. Such is the holiness of God who will not be mocked. He said, well, what? how is he mocked? Well, the instructions are very simple. Verse 8, take the staff, gather the assembly together, speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. Speak to the rock. So what do they do? They do what they've done before. They assume something of God. And rather than speaking to the rock, verse 10, they, they, tell, they tell the people off, listen you rebels. Verse 11, Moses then raises his arm and strikes the rock twice with his staff. Now in the grace and mercy of God, the water pours. But that isn't what he was told to do.
Third point. Let's be a people who trust God and honor the directions he gives us. When God speaks clearly, let's do as he says. Let's do as he says. Let's put him first. Not our ideas, not the last time this worked, therefore. You've got loads of stories in the Old Testament of the last time this worked, therefore I'll do this again, and people getting it wrong. Heart comes before action. Let's be a people who keep a tender heart before God. Who say, yeah, actually, I want my heart to be soft. I'm, it's not just about what we achieve. It's not just about getting the water out of the rock. It's, what, it's why. It's, it's what's going on inside of us. Are we going to be tender-hearted before Almighty God? Are we going to be soft-hearted before him? Are we going to say, yeah, we'll do it your way, Lord, not mine. We'll do it your way because you are, Lord, because you are good, because you do know what you're doing, because I can trust you. Obedience comes out of a submissive heart. It doesn't come out of some legalistic performance. It comes out of a heart which says, God, because you're good, because I can worship you, because I delight in you, because I know who you are, I want to submit to you. That's where obedience comes from. Out of that heart relationship with God, out of that desire, I want to bring you glory and honor, Lord. I want to bring you praise. It's not about me. It's not about me providing a solution. It's not about anybody else. No, no, it's about the glory of God. So, Father, if you're going to say do it that way, help me to do it that way, please. So don't assume on you. Not think I know better than you. What a sadness. What a sadness for Moses and Aaron. They've done so well. They've done so well. They've managed to get the rabble to this place. They got them into the desert. I mean, that wasn't bad going. Yeah, there'd been some hiccups on the way. And they're never going to see the promised land. Imagine Imagine that. Friends, I want to see what God's spoken over us fulfilled. I want to see the youth of Alton serve so well that we see revival in our schools and colleges. That we see not just the ones and the twos, but the fifties and the hundreds and even the thousands turning to Jesus. I want to see the poor loved, the poor in spirit, the broken in spirit, Loved in such a way that they know there is a God in heaven who loves them and cares for them, who empowers the people on earth with grace and mercy to represent them and to look after them and to look out for them and to bring the love, grace and mercy of God to them. I want us to be a people. I want to be that person who lets the Spirit of God direct my path and guide me. And keep me walking in paths of righteousness. And friends, I want to encourage us, let's be a church who are like that. Let's be a people who are like that. Not just, you know, if it's down to me or the elders, because I know the elders would all go the same, amen, and it's lovely to get other amens from the congregation. Let's be a church like that, friends. We give up on doing it our own way. We give up doing it in our own strength. We go God's way. Let's watch our spirits 
Let's keep our hearts soft before God. When we hear the prophetic, let's let it stir our hearts. Let's let it soften our hearts. Let it sink deep into our spirits that we can then go, oh yeah, God, do it please. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm bought in for this. I'm totally sold out for this. And I'd ask, please pray for us as leaders that we don't do what Moses and Aaron did. We don't try and come up with our own great ideas. Please pray for us as leaders. You know, it's so easy to think, feel pressure, got to come up with a solution, therefore we'll. Pray for us, please, as elders. We'll be talking more about eldership team later on this afternoon when we gather again this evening. Please pray for us. We need your prayers. Please pray for those who lead your life groups. Please pray for those who lead the teams you're part of. Carry responsibility. We need your prayers. But we stay soft-hearted and tender-hearted before Almighty God. If you ever get a chance, I'd like to encourage you to do something this afternoon. Go away and read Psalm 95. And I say, what? Psalm 95? Why Psalm 95? Well, Psalm 95 talks about this. Talks about this whole story we've just been reading about. There's just one line in it, verse 8. It talks about, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your hearts as they did at Meribah. That's this passage it's referring to. Don't harden your hearts. Don't keep yourself tender-hearted before God. It starts by talking about how great God is. How wonderful he is. How awesome he is. It's the most wonderful psalm. It's a psalm of worship and adoration, but it's a psalm which reflects back to this. This story. Let's be that tender-hearted people. Soft-hearted for God. Will any dream do? No. Let's hear what God's dreams are for us. Let's understand what God's giving us to do. And then let's get hold of it. Let's embrace it. Let's own it. Let's pray it back to him. Let's put ourselves into all that God wants to do through it. How do we do that? Let's remind ourselves of who God is. So when it gets tough, we're in no doubt. We keep going. Let's be tender-hearted before Almighty God. Let's keep ourselves tender-hearted. Let's watch out uh, for who we listen to. Let's keep listening to what God has to say. And let's trust and honour God's direction. Let's have a submissive spirit which results in obedience to all that God wants to do. We're going to break bread now together. And this is such a, a wonderful thing to do because it reminds us of who Jesus is. It reminds us that he is the one who died on the cross, who took the wrath of God, the holy, righteous judgment of God, almighty God on him for the sins of the world. Not just the sins past then, past, present and future at that time for your and for my sin that we can have deep, true, meaningful relationship with the Lord of all lords, the King of all kings, the God of Israel, the God who makes water flow from a a lump of rock, the God who provides for all of our needs, who's loving, holy and gracious.
who woos us into his presence through Jesus Christ, who calls us holy in Christ, washed, clean, made pure and holy. That's what we're coming to do. We're coming to celebrate, to remember what Jesus did on the cross, his body, the bread symbolic of his body being broken, torn asunder, on the cross, as, as he's nailed on the cross, as he takes the sin of the world, as his body is broken on the cross. That's what this bread symbolizes, as it's torn into parts, as it's broken up. It's talking about the body of Jesus, the life-giving body of Jesus Christ, broken for us, for our sins. As we take of uh, the juice, it's juice, not wine, just to say... But as we take off the juice, it's symbolic of wine. It's symbolic of the blood of Christ poured out on the cross for the sin of mankind that we would be made clean and pure and holy. Therefore, this is a time of celebration, friends. It is a time of remembrance, but it, wow. This is, we're celebrating the turning point in history where everything changed. And I want to encourage us, therefore, let's come and enjoy this time of communion together. But as we do so, can I encourage us? Let's pray for one another. For some of us, we may be struggling with who God is. We may be thinking, I don't know whether I really trust God that much. Do you know the first step to dealing with that is acknowledging it and saying, God, help me to believe. Help me to believe more. Teach me. Speak to me. I'm reading the scriptures. Get somebody to pray for you. Or maybe it's, maybe it's something else. Maybe you know you've just got caught up in a rabble and you've lost perspective. You've got drawn into a, a, a negativity. They say, oh God, God, I'm sorry. Maybe it was fear that took you there or disappointment or other hurt or pain. God, would you heal my hurt? Would you heal my pain? I want to run with your people. Or maybe it's just, I just need help. God, I want to do it your way. I want to stop doing it my way. Help me. Get somebody to pray with you. So we're going to, in one sense, bring our meeting to a conclusion at this point. But I'm going to ask the band to come and uh, take us into a song of worship. First of, all, first of all, if we could have the band back, please. Thank you, Kathy and, and band.